caused me to, to hunger to, to know more about the Lord and His Word. We're going to pick up here today in the, uh, in the seventh verse of chapter 19. We're, we're now, uh, these events are now taking place in the heavenlies. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. There, just very quickly here, I want to deal with, with two issues that are, that are talked about in these verses. One is the marriage of the Lamb, which is different than the marriage supper of the Lamb. You'll notice the first thing he talks about is the marriage of the Lamb. So there, there is a wedding feast, there is a wedding, and then there is a wedding feast that will take place in the heavenlies concerning the bride of Christ and Jesus himself. Now, just, just bear with me for a second, but let me, let me divert for a moment. All saved people, in that, that would include all the Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, and tribulation saints, will be saved, will all have eternal life, will all uh, have an incredible role to play in the world that is to come in God. However, the bride of Christ is singled out. All the way through the New Testament and all the way through the book of Revelation, John, the revelator, makes a distinction between the Old Testament saints and the tribulation martyrs, which were called, which John refers to them as white-robed martyrs. All those people who die during the tribulation as a result of not taking the mark of the beast or, or for the testimony that they had of the Lord Jesus are called white-robed martyrs. Everybody gets eternal life. But you will find out that the bride of Christ will occupy a special place in the heavenlies and a special place in a special relationship to Christ himself. He, Christ, is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. So the event that is going to take place here that is first mentioned by John in this verse is the marriage, the marriage of the Lamb. Not the, not the, not the feast, it is the marriage. So at some point in heaven... Uh, there will be a ceremony. It'll be an amazing. And think about how many, how many, how much Jesus spoke about weddings when he was on the earth in parables. Remember, he talks about uh, a, a feast was made, a great wedding feast, and and many were bidden to come in, and 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 they many came, and then there was still room, and he went out to the highways and into the byways and compelled them to come in, and then there was one that came in that did not have on the wedding garment. Remember that. And that one was cast out because he didn't have on the wedding garment. Then, then Jesus talks about the ten virgins and, and the wedding 
uh, they, they were going to, and five were five wise and five were foolish. And, 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 then he, and, so he, and then when Jesus gets ready to, to talk about going away, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Those are the, those are the exact words that a bridegroom in the Jewish economy uh, would say to his engaged spouse. When they were engaged, he would say to her, Now I'm going to go away and prepare a place for you. And when I get the house done, that I will come and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is talking about a wedding. He's using the natural uh, uh, analogy for them, but he's speaking about that incredible wedding that's going to take place in heaven between he and his bride. So there will be a there will be a bride there will be a, a wedding of the lamb, and then there will be the marriage supper or the wedding feast of the lamb. And both of them are spoken of here, but you will notice, but both of them are different. It, they're not interchangeable. The marriage feast or the marriage supper of the lamb. And the marriage of the Lamb are not interchangeable. They're, he's speaking of two different events. There's the wedding, and then there is the wedding reception or the marriage supper. Just much like we have weddings today, then after the wedding, we all, everybody gathers together for the reception. You either have a meal or cake and, and, and fellowship. Uh, the, and the, so there will be this incredible wedding that will take place. Several things that you have to know that's already happened. You know, you've heard me talk about the judgment seat of Christ. Paul says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there's a difference between the judgment seat of Christ. You've heard me teach this before. There's a difference between the judgment seat of Christ and the white throne judgment when all the nations of the world are gathered together uh, to be separated uh, as sheep and goat. The marriage, uh, that judgment will take place later, and we'll, we'll cover that probably next couple Sundays. But the judgment seat of Christ has, has been going on since you knew the Lord. When you first got saved, every time you repented, your sins have went up to heaven and have been forgiven uh, already. The Bible says some men's sins go ahead of them and some men's sins follow them. Now, I don't want my sins following me. I want my sins to go ahead of me. I want to repent of all my sins and, that, and they'll go to the throne and Christ will forgive them with his blood. And when I get to heaven, there won't be any sins to answer for. But for those who allow sins to follow them, there's going to be a danger there involved in that. Now, go back to this text, and let's read about the clothing that, that concerning the bride, the wife, hath made herself ready. Two things I want you to notice. Right now, the church is making herself ready as much as we can. Now, we're not ever going to be perfect till we get to heaven. You know that. Until these bodies are changed and we, we get a body like in his glorious body. Here, here's our issue. We got born-again spirits living in unborn-again bodies. That's why there's a battle always. That's why there's always a war between the flesh and the spirit. Your flesh didn't get saved when your soul got saved. It's going to be saved someday. And we're going to receive a body like unto Christ's body. Amen. But for right now, we got a fleshly body that's got all of the carnal desires of anybody else's flesh. The only difference for us is that we have, we have been saved. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can mortify or keep under control the deeds of our body. You understand that? 
So in that sense, today the bride is making herself ready. The church is making herself ready by repentance, by worship, by prayer, amen, by honoring the Lord, by being obedient to the word of God. We're making ourselves ready. But this goes to a whole nother level here in this text because the church, the bride of Christ, has been in heaven ever since uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. So for nearly seven years now, the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church has been in heaven with the Lord. And preparations, can you imagine what preparation that Jesus is making right now for that and the angels for that great coronation, that great wedding. But then for almost seven years prior to the end of the tribulation period, there is not only all the events that we have studied going on in heaven, but there is an amazing transformation going on in heaven with the bride. Now, here's what the Bible said. Let's look at that again. For the bride, or his wife, hath made herself ready. So, in other words, she's had almost the church, what we will have almost seven years to prepare ourselves for the wedding. Now, we're saved already. That's, that's not salvation. That has nothing to do with your salvation. You're saved. Uh, when you were raptured in the church, caught up, come out of the grave, you're saved. Salvation is a promised gift forever. So you're saved. But there is, evidently there are some processes that the bride will go through after she gets to heaven. And of course, the first thing we're going to do is get a new body. Whoo, praise God. Like unto his glorious body. It won't get sick. It can't sin. It, it has, it'll be a perfect body. Uh, amen. But look at, look at, look what he says here. Look at what he says here. Uh, for to her, that is, now to her, that is the bride, doesn't say to the whole, doesn't, it's not the Old Testament or, the, or to the white robe martyrs, but to the bride, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. So in this, whatever this transformation that goes on in heaven prior to the wedding, the church is going to be given white robes, clean and white, pure, which is the righteousness of the saints. And where do we get that righteousness? From Jesus, from his blood. Right now, listen to me. Here's, here's, here's what's going to happen. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. Right now, when God looked at us on this earth in the flesh, how does he see us? Through Christ, right? He sees us through the blood of Jesus. So to God, when he looks at you and I, he sees us as perfect. He sees us just as perfect as Jesus is, even though we're not. But he has given us, the Bible said, the righteousness of Christ. He has imputed that to us. So when God looks down from heaven upon us right now, he doesn't see us like we see ourselves. He sees us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and he sees us as holy and pure and righteous. But in that day, we will be everything that he saw us as. We will become the righteousness of God. Right now, we have that by faith. And every day, we're not always the righteousness of God, are we? There are some days... You know, you, you lose it. There's some days you get upset. There's some days you get carnal. And some days you have a thought you wish you hadn't had. And some days you say things you wish you could take back. But, but, but all that's because we're still in this fleshly body. But when we get the new body, and then whatever happens in the heavenlies, 
It's not anymore going to be imputed righteousness. It's imputed right now. In other words, it's, it's borrowed. It's given to us by God looking at us through the blood. But there, it will, no, it will not be imputed. Now, it will be given and be made, and the church will be righteous. Clean and white. A righteous church. That's made righteous on this earth by the shed blood of Jesus and given that pure righteousness. Amen. Before, before, because Jesus as the bridegroom cannot take the bride as his wife until the wife has been purified. Amen. And, ha and now is the righteousness of God so that now we are worthy. We have been made to be worthy here by the shed blood of Jesus. But there we will receive that in fullness and that blood, amen, will translate us into the pure righteousness of God. And we will be dressed in white and fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called now, Unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Kind of interesting verse. We, we know it's not speaking of the bridegroom nor the bride. Because the bridegroom and the bride are the governors of the feast. It would be like saying to a couple who gets married. Who's going to have a great reception. In a great reception hall. And uh, with, with incredible food and decorations and music. And say, you know what, we, 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 should invite, we should invite the groom and the bride, don't y'all think? Well, of course not. The groom and the bride are the governors of the feast. They are, they are in charge. They are, it's, it's all about them. So the bridegroom and the bride, it's not, speaking of, it's not speaking of Jesus or the church when it says, blessed are they who are invited to the marriage supper. Now, now we've moved into the reception time. So who are the guests if, if they're not Jesus and the church, obviously, Christ and the church, if they're not there, there will be no marriage supper. So they're there. So who could be? Well, my opinion, again, uh, and, 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 a lot of, and, and a lot of Bible scholars, if you, if you read after uh, in, in prophecy, teachers uh, will suggest, and, and I think perhaps they're right, will suggest that the guests are, the, you remember, and let me, and let me give, you, give you a little proof here. Remember, I left off, I think, here last Sunday when John, who said, they asked John, are you the groom? Are you he that should come? He said, no, I am the friend. He said, Jesus is the groom. Remember that? He said, I am the friend of the bridegroom. John, and John would be the last of the Old Testament saints. John lived under the, before Christ went to the cross, John lived under the Old Testament. New Testament hadn't been written. Christ had not died or resurrected. So he was living under Old Testament law. He was still living under Old Testament times. And so he would be the last, uh, that at least that we know of, he would, he would be the last, he would, let, let me just put it this way, at least he would represent the last of the Old Testament saints, John, who was a friend of the bride. That's what he called himself. And then he goes on to say, he said, the, the, the bride rejoices because he has the, 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 the bridegroom, rejoices because he has the bride. But the friend of the bridegroom is happy for both the bride and the groom. 
And in, and in Jewish times, what they would do is, it would be like a best man today when a couple got engaged and the one guy said, I'm going to go away, prepare a place for you. I'll come again and receive you. The, the friend of the bridegroom, the best man, would move across the street from where the bride's family lived. And it would be his job to observe the, the comings and the going to the bride, who she sees, where she goes, how she dresses, what she's eating, all the laws uh, of health, the health laws and the food laws and all the, and so he's keeping track. And, and, and he had the ability and the power, if he saw her doing something that would bring, not bring glory to the groom, he would go over her and say, no, you can't, you, you are, you've been espoused to your groom and you can't be doing that with other men. You can't, that's out of order. You can't, you can't go here. You can't do this. You can't eat this. You, you can't say this. Now, the Bible tells us right now that the Holy Ghost in us is the friend of the bridegroom. It's the Holy Spirit. It's to, hey, hey, don't think that. Don't act that way. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't say this. Don't involve yourself with this activity. Why? Because that's not pleasing to your groom. We're all there on that page, right? Okay, so, so follow me. Follow me here. So, so now, so, so now, if, if John, who represents the last of the Old Testament saints, is the friend of the bridegroom here when Christ was here, and is represented by those 12 elders on one side of the throne, there's 24, 12 on one side, and 12, 12 representing the Old Testament, 12 the New Testament. Then it's, it would stand to reason that when the guests are invited, it would be the, who, who would you invite? Who would you invite to the, the feast like that? The friends of the bridegroom, right? You'd invite the friends of the bridegroom or the bride. So it, it just stands to reason that it would be the Old Testament saints and perhaps the white robe martyrs that will be invited, and there will be millions and millions and millions and numbers that no man can number. Can you imagine that banquet hall? Can you imagine the city, and we'll talk about this, the city of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem is 1,500 miles square. Square, like a cube. That just, this is not just heaven, this is just the city of God. This is the new Jerusalem, which will sit down on the new earth. But can you imagine a one city that if it sat down on this, on the, in the United States, would reach almost from coast to coast and from the Gulf of Mexico to the Canadian border. One town. And then it would go 1,500 miles straight up for 1,500 miles. Can you imagine what kind of banquet hall there's going to be in that place where millions and millions and millions can congregate? And can you imagine the food can you imagine the food? Hallelujah. Can you imagine the preparation that's going to go on? Can you? Amen. God, I'm just telling you, this marriage supper is going to be, it is going to be the crowning achievement. Nothing greater, the only thing greater than that will be the incarnation of God when God laid aside his royal robes and left the throne of heaven and became man. Amen. That's other than that, the greatest thing in heaven will be this marriage and the marriage feast of the Lamb. 
where millions will sit around tables, millions and millions, and and so how in the so you'll be because you can have a you can have a body like his glorious body. You can move through the wall. You can move through time and space. You can see through the wall. You can sit down here and you can see fifteen hundred miles that direction. You can be up there. You can look up fifty. You can perceive everything that's going on around you. You will have this uh, incredible, amazing, supernatural ability. Amen. How in the world could we hear the speaker? You will hear it as though it was right beside. You, you, you're going to be a super. You're going to be just like Jesus. You're going to have a body likened to His glorious. It's a glorious body. I've, I've never had a glorious body down here. Very few of us have ever had glorious bodies. There's a few people may have had glorious bodies, but you had to pay a big price to get that, and a big price to keep it. And if you lost it, you have an unglorious body. So I'm just going to tell you, I believe, I believe that the friends, I believe that the guests that are invited here are the friends of the bridegroom, which I believe would include, I believe the Old Testament church and the white robe martyrs will attend that banquet in our honor. Not that we are better than the Old Testament or the, or the white robe martyrs. It has nothing to do with that. It's just that the bride of Christ will be given special honor because it is the wife of Jesus. And so all the saints of all the ages, I believe that Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and all the wonderful Old Testament saints will gather together in that great hall to worship the living God. And as the church becomes the bride of Christ. Amen. So the marriage supper of the Lamb will be so incredible there will be gifts given and the and the scripture bears out that there will be gifts given uh the church will receive rewards you that have sacrificed so much and the people who 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 sacrificed for the cause of god salvation is a free gift understand that so you don't get saved because of what you do or, or what you deserve you get saved because you put your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ only. That's salvation. Everybody that believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepts his gift of salvation through repentance and turning away from this world, you get, you're saved. Everybody, everybody there will be saved. Everybody there, everybody will be, there's, there's not going to be classes of people in heaven. I don't, I'm not trying to teach that. And there's not going to be, well, you know, we're going to be superior. No, 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 it had nothing to do with that. But you're going to see this, this glorious, this glorious thing. But there are going to, there will be times of recognition. And there will be times of gifts. And, and you will be rewarded for service. And the Bible tells us over and over and over that, that even if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you will not lose your reward. Now, he's not talking about salvation. He's talking about being rewarded for service. So sometimes people get real discouraged. Well, I'm not, you know, you know that, old, that old thing can hit you. Well, I, nobody in the church, but me, nobody in this church doing anything but me. I'm the only one that's, you know. Well, you're not the only one. Just, okay, I want to, you're not. But if you were, it shouldn't matter. If you were the only one in this church doing anything, it shouldn't matter to you. Because you're not doing it for people. And if you're doing it for people, it's not going to count anyway. You'll lose that reward anyhow. If you, if you understand that anything you do for the kingdom of God has to be done for Jesus. That's why pastors who don't 
who can't remember who they work for will burn out real quick. Because if you're waiting, if, if, you, if you draw your strength from the affirmation of people and people alone, that won't last long. And I'm going to tell you what. There are things that pastors and leaders have to endure that there's, no, there's not enough God bless you and I appreciate you. And that was a great, and, and that, to keep you going. If, if God doesn't grant you that grace and you don't understand that I did this not for people. I didn't do this. I did this for Jesus. And that's how you have to look at it. Because everybody will be re rewarded according to their service. Not, salvation is not is, is, is a gift. Of, it's God's gift to us. What we do with that is our gift back to him. You understand that? So, you're, so if you get, ever get tired and say, well, I'm just so weary. I just, I just, wish I, just remember who you work for. Just remember who you are. You work for Jesus. Hallelujah. And so there will be rewards and, and, and awards passed out. Let's go to the next verse. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, and have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven open. Here again. Now, it, this will be uh, the third time that, that John will have seen the heavens open. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. I want to show you something. I want to, I want to show you something here in, in, in the Spirit. First of all, this white horse... He that sitteth on it of it called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. God will judge in righteousness. Amazing. You think about all the unrighteousness that goes on in this earth. You think about all the unfair, unjust things. You think about you think about what children have had to suffer. You think about somebody asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, th th there's been thousands of books written on that subject, and nobody yet has a good answer. I mean, really? Nope, nobody has a good answer. I, I, think, I think the scripture which just simply tells us that it rains, it rains on the just and unjust. That it, there are because, this is the closest I can come, because we live on a dying planet that, was, that began to die the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, and because we have a dying flesh, the moment you were born, this, this sounds a little, little heavy, but the moment we were born, we started dying. Just a fact. So, you take, so, we, so we got this unregenerated earth and ungenerated bodies, and there are certain events that take place because of the earth's Dying revolutions and and and, re, and 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 all that and all that happens inside the earth. The Bible says the earth actually it's groaning, it's moving about, it's groaning, it's stretching, it's it's cracking. It's you know it's no no wonder the Bible said that that in the last days earthquakes would would be more frequent and more frequent and more frequent. Uh, we had twenty five in Arlington, I think in Arlington since uh, a couple months ago, since the, for the last couple months. But I'm just telling you. That we so why does don't you you have to quit worrying about all of that 
and just trust God. Just trust God. There are there have been there have been un, there have been things that happened to you that were not fair. But life isn't fair. Life isn't fair, but God is good. I said life isn't fair, but God is good. Amen. I said life isn't fair, but God is good. Amen. And so the but here's what God's gonna do. When he puts when God I just I just let me jump ahead of myself here a second. The the Bible said you're gonna that the, 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 the armies of heaven, well let me read it to you. I want you to see this. I saw the heavens open, behold, a white horse, and he that sat up on it was called Faithful and True. I love that. All, God is going to take care of everything because he's faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Now, his eyes were like a flame of fire. You know, when John saw this the first time in the, in the second, first and second chapter of the book of Revelation. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. It would be the Lord Jesus. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. What, what does the Bible say the fine linen is? Righteousness of the saints. So, so here's the saints. I have a question for the for the people who believe the church is going to go through the tribulation period. The Bible said that the saints are following him out of heaven. Well, how'd they get up there? And when did they get up there? Somebody said, there's one book that writes and believes, and here's what he writes. He said the, the church will be here during the whole time of the tribulation period, and the moment that the Lord, and at his glorious appearing, coming, what we're about to talk about, he resurrects and raptures the church, and we meet him halfway in the air and come straight back down to the earth with him. Well, you can't prove that anywhere in Scripture. But the Bible here says that the armies in the heavens followed him from heaven, all on white horses in white linen, which we just read to you. The white linen is only the righteousness of the saints. The saints are already with the Lord, already in heaven. The saints of God are already there, and we... Now, look how we're, when we all come, and now these armies will include the angels, it'll include the church, it'll include the bride, it'll, it'll include all of the saved people. We will all be the armies of God. Can you imagine now? Can you imagine? Let me just, let me just help your imagination a moment. Can you, now, meanwhile, back at the ranch. <laughs> meanwhile, back at the ranch. All the nations of the world Remember how, how the lying spirit went out from the, anti, from the false prophet and gathered together all the armies of the east, all the kings of the east. And the Bible said all the nations of the world that has rejected Christ, all the nations of the world have now been gathered together in the valley of Megiddo, which is that incredible valley that stretches out for miles and miles and miles uh, in, in, in central Israel. We've been there four times to that, to that incredible valley, the plain of Ezralon, that, and stood upon that mountain, looked over that valley where the Bible said that the horse, the blood would run, to, run deep enough to, to come up to the horse's bridle. All the nations of the world gathered together. Can you imagine all the nations, and they're arrogant, and they're, and they're coming to destroy Israel, and they're coming, they're going to fight against God himself. And here they are, millions of soldiers and, 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 and millions of armament and pieces of armament all gathered together, ready to, to destroy Israel. And all of a sudden, the heavens open up. 
and they look up and they see millions upon millions upon innumerable numbers of angels and people dressed in white riding white horses just pouring out of the sky just pouring out of the sky just pouring out of the sky just millions just pouring out of just pouring out of the sky and and and, and listen most armies would not go out dressed in white. You'd, they would put them in camouflage. They'd put them in some kind of battle. You, you, you would think it's, they said they had on their armors, they had their swords, they had their shields. And why, What does it say? They had on, all they had on was their, these linen white robes of righteousness. Why? Because not by power nor by might, but by my spirit today, saith the Lord. And what's going to happen, amen, that the Bible said that the glory of God shall shine. Listen, God for the first time will release his full glory upon the earth. And the Bible said that the glory of God will destroy. They will, the scripture goes, if you go back and read in the Old Testament, so the Bible said they're, they're going to be looking up to the eyes and with empty eye sockets because their eyeballs will melt like wax and run down. Their skin will melt off of their bones and they will just melt. And that entire armies will be destroyed by simply by the glory of God. Just his glory. By then the church will have his glory. And you won't be able to tell where Christ begins and the church ends because what, what happens when, when a marriage takes place? Those two now become one. Hallelujah. So the body of Christ, amen, the, the church, the bride, and the groom now are one. Amen. Somebody said, you know, they're going on there. You know, once you have, somebody once said, this event I'm talking about where they're pouring out at the very head, here's Christ and his church coming. They're on their honeymoon. They're, they're going on their honeymoon, and they're going to live. They're going to be on their honeymoon. We're going to be on this. We're going to be with Christ on this earth for a thousand years, a thousand year honeymoon, a thousand years ruling and reigning with Christ, our bridegroom on the planet. Can you? But but think about this: when they look up and see this, they 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 will die from the glory of God. He will will judge with the crown. The, uh, the many crowns upon his head, hallelujah, in, indicating that he is king of kings and lord of lords. And the armies which were in the heavens followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and clean, and out of his mouth, I love this, out of this would be out of Christ's mouth, goeth a sharp sword, and that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Hallelujah. And his sword is going to be the word of God coming out of his mouth. His word will come out like a sword. Hallelujah. Now why, and, and I'll just just drop this in here, but why does the Bible say that he will rule with a rod of iron? Why does it say that? Well, you got to understand that all of the descendants, see, you, you have to understand that, that while all this wrath and all this, this whole book of Revelation has been going on for these seven years, people are going to be having children, people are going to be born. Uh, everybody on the earth at that time are still mortals, there are no immortals here. We will be immortal when we come back, and we will, and we will live here for a thousand years with mortals. 
There's still going to be people being born, dying, living, okay? And the people who enter into the beginning, and I'll have to talk about this maybe a little bit later, but the, at the beginning of the, of the millennial earth, that 1,000 years of peace, all the, you're going to have all the people that had taken the mark of the beast who did not die. Many of them will have already died. But you're going to have all their children. And for 1,000 years, there's going to be children born on this earth. Somebody wants to know, why in the world is the devil loosed after a 1,000 years? Well, I'm going I'm to way ahead of myself. But he has, the devil has to be loose for a 1,000 years. There has to be, and, and I'll go through all of that, but, but every generation has to have a trial of faith. And so they have, their, the, the enemy will come. Now, there will be, you say, well, what about those people who, who die before the devil's release? Not to worry, not to worry. Your flesh is capable enough without the devil to do, to do sinful things. I'll just tell you right now, if, if the devil was, was, was locked up right now in, bottom, in the bottomless pit with all of his demons, we got enough carnality and sinfulness in our own flesh to, to keep the sin, business in, the sin thing in business. You understand that? So, so it, it, don't, it, won't, it doesn't take a devil to get us to sin. He said it doesn't take a demon to get you to sin. If you don't keep this flesh under control, if you don't pray, if you don't read your Bible, if you don't worship, if you don't live righteous before God, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life, you'll be doing crazy things tomorrow. We all would. But greater is he that's in us. Amen? Greater is he that's in us. Hallelujah. Praise God. So at the very beginning of the thousand years of peace, Christ and the church will have to rule with a rod of iron. That means that for the first few years, that, that we will have to enforce the righteousness of God and the peace of God over uh, a generation of people who are pagans, who have denounced God, who shook their fist at God back in the, in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, and 16, and now will die uh, a sinner. The Bible said even though they lived to be 100 years old, and because they had taken the mark of the beast, their, their eternity is sealed. In other words, here's what's so sad about that. And I'll close with this. There will be people alive on this planet when we get back. And Christ sets up his kingdom from the, the old city of Jerusalem in Israel. And we rule and reign with him for a thousand years on this earth. You think about this. There will be people alive at that time who took the mark of the beast three and a half years before that be this time begins. Who have no hope at all of being saved so in the scriptures even if they were to live to be a hundred years old they would still die a sinner now you just talk about the seriousness today of knowing jesus the seriousness today of serving the lord and and the seriousness today of being ready for, should he come if the lord should come today if, 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 the white, if, the, if the heavens opened up today and the Lord called us all home to the rapture of the church took place today, it's important that we be ready. It's important that we be ready. It's important that you're, that you're serving the Lord. It's important that you're, that, you're keeping your, that you're staying faithful to his word. It's important that you keep your faith. The moment you start trusting in anything else, you start moving away from the strength of God. Amen. Because only his presence and only his power and his blood can do that. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. We will, um, we will finish up, we will finish up the, the 19th chapter this coming Sunday. 
and most of the 20th chapter, and then uh, we'll have two chapters left, uh, and we will hopefully, I'm going to try to conclude uh, the book of Revelation during the, the month of January. And then on February the 1st, the first week of February, we will begin a study on the book of Acts. And we're going to, on the book of Acts, praise God. One of my very favorite books in all the Bible, amen. But uh, anyway, we love you all so much. We appreciate you. We thank God for you. It's going to be a great year in the Lord. You be blessed. Father God, we thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we can, Lord, overcome our enemy because of the blood of the Lamb. We just bless this wonderful congregation today and let this be a great week. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.